ten past eight, and welcome to video. An innocuous title for the world's biggest child pornography website, selling access to over two hundred and fifty thousand videos in the hidden secrecy of the dark web. What shocked many of us is the site was based in this country and operated by a twenty-three-year-old Korean man who's actually already serving a prison sentence for this.、Um, We, we can come on to the question of whether a year and a half in prison is even close to being sufficient as a, as a deterrent.、Um, but also, we want to ask: How does this dark web persist? Let's explore with network security expert Professor Engin Kurda from Kauri College of Computer Science at Northeastern University. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. We, we saw how、uh, last week international investigators said they'd arrested a total of 337 people worldwide after knocking out the South Korea-based dark web child pornography site in question. But first of all, what exactly is the dark web? So,、uh, think of the dark web、uh, as a website、uh, that you can access anonymously, and at the same time, the person who has created this website cannot be traced back. So it's just anonymous access both ways. That's what people typically refer to as the dark web these days. And you need special software to be able to access it. Okay,、um, just to clarify, what most people might experience as something even being close to this,、uh, we we got the option on our phones and computers to go in incognito mode. Is that a taste of the dark web, or is it something completely different? Right, that, that's a good question. So. The privacy mode that you would enable、uh, in your browser basically would prevent、uh, somebody looking at your browser and potentially discovering what you have surfed.、Uh, but the dark web is very different from that. So it's basically a, a system, a network called Tor, and there's a special browser for it, the Tor browser, that you would need to use. And it would actually guarantee that when somebody checks your traffic, it would be encrypted, so they wouldn't see. How you're accessing this, this website? So the website providers would not know who you are, and at the same time, you wouldn't know who's actually behind this website. So you would need very special software to be able to access the dark web. On, on the plus side, it can't be that dark if we've managed to hear about this.、Um, in the past, though,、um, sometimes it's just been details that. Perpetrators have given away in in videos that's led to to crackdowns rather than、uh, being able to、uh, uncover them directly through the dark web itself.、Um, are investigators getting closer to being able to to crack these codes?、Uh, right. So、uh, we call it the dark web, but just to clarify,、uh, there's also a legitimate use for this, right? So you might want to surf the internet. Uh, anonymously,、uh, it's actually very useful for dissidents or、uh, for evading censorship. So there's a good use for that as well. But yes, sadly, cyber criminals have been using such networks as well. So in terms of tracking back who you are, you know, this anonymity or finding out who's behind the website,、uh, it really depends on how technically sophisticated you are. So in this very concrete case,、uh, according to what I've understood from media reports. The person who created this website, this illegal website, actually made some mistakes, and the investigators were able to analyze that website and identify him just because、uh, of the way the website was designed. So, you know, if you're doing everything correctly, it would be very difficult for law enforcement to trace you back. But 
you know, luckily, in some illegal cases, people actually make mistakes that allow uh, them to be traced back. Well, can, can you just spell that out for us a little bit? What kind of mistake would they make? Would it be on the tech side or, or just a basic human blunder? Right. So it would be on the tech side. So suppose you have created the website and you're accessing it, but you, know, you need to access it anonymously through the Tor website as well. But if you make a mistake and you access it directly, say, from your home network, or you forgot references to yourself in this, in this website, maybe uh, an IP address or something that is traceable back to you, uh, that can also potentially be used. I, I read the case of a, of a British individual um, who would often use the same greeting uh, in the dark web that he also used in his social media accounts. And investigators found that greeting to be so distinctive that they were able to, to track him down through social media. And, and, and that's the exactly. kind of, um, I don't want to say human blunder, but that's the kind of human characteristic that, um, that is difficult to evade, um, just to put that into perspective. But... Let's talk a little bit more about why these uh, websites or these anonymous browsing capabilities need to exist. Um, yes, you said that it could help evade censorship, but is that worth it when it can also feed awful crimes like what we're talking about today? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a longer discussion, right? There are uh, two sides of the, the medallion in this case. Uh, you know, Tor has been very useful uh, for... Uh, dealing with oppressive regimes uh, where people need to report certain things or access websites. So from that point of view, it's a very valuable tool. And one of the original purposes of creating Tor uh, was actually uh, the U.S. government. They wanted uh, intelligence agencies to be able to access certain websites anonymously. So, you know, if you look at uh, this from, from that point of view, yes, Tor has uh, a good purpose as well. Uh, you as a individual, for example, might want to access Amazon, search for products, or access certain websites and remain anonymous, right? Because a lot of tracking is being done on the Internet these days. Um, and the argument, that, uh, you know, from the Tor people is that, yeah, you know, cyber criminals will always find a way of taking existing technology and making it difficult for people uh, to trace them back. So there are other ways of remaining anonymous on the Internet besides so. Uh, so, you know, that, that would be the counter-argument. So I think it's not an easy question to answer. I, I personally use Tor as well uh, because I don't like large companies to trace me and find out everything about me. So there's a privacy concern as well. Right. I, I, and, I, and I can understand that. I think a lot of people might be motivated by that. We come back to this question of what is the lesser of the evils. Again, we'd love to get some more feedback on that. Pound 1013 for 51 per, messa, per message. Sorry, Professor Kurder, I'd like to ask you, though, as well about um, the, the money side of this. Uh, obviously, some people are motivated by pure perversion here, but um, uh, and I think we are allowed to still characterise this kind of abuse in, in those terms, uh, but but obviously some people are getting money out of it. The the operator, the Korean operator, the young Korean operator who's currently in prison made some 400 million won worth of Bitcoin from thousands of transactions. And it was that that actually helped also bring him down. Um, so cryptocurrency doesn't seem to be quite as safe as criminals had hoped it would be. That, that is correct. So especially Bitcoin, there's a lot of misconceptions about this concrete currency. 
Uh, people think it gives you total anonymity. The challenge with Bitcoin is that at some point you need to buy it or you might need to convert it to real currency. And, and doing that anonymously actually is a challenge. And it's actually a good thing that a lot of criminals don't have the technical sophistication to, to do that correctly. Uh, so I think that's one thing that uh, uh, the investigators were able to use to track uh, to trace a lot of people. So the fact that you're buying something, uh, you know, you might look, it might look like you're anonymous, uh, but uh, there are ways of tracing uh, Bitcoin transactions to people. So uh, luckily, I would say. But sadly, at the same time, there are currencies that are not as easy to trace back. So if people start moving to those currencies, then I think uh, it might, it's going to probably be more challenging. So it's a bit of a cat and mouse game. Finally, a question for you, which again is just drawing on your opinion, and I and I don't know how much you want to share on this, but this is a heinous site, or it was a heinous site. It had the uh, the upload page stating "Do not upload adult porn." It just gives you a taste of of what was motivating the activities there. And eighteen months in prison for this twenty three year old, he could come out still in his mid twenties and potentially find a way to not make the same mistakes as last time around. Is that just far too short as a sentence? And and should he perhaps even be extradited to the United States to face further punishment? So, uh, I think uh, abuse against children is uh, the worst crime, one of the worst crimes that uh, people can, uh, can can do, right? So, I I don't know the system, the, the law system in South Korea, but to me it sounds like it was very lenient. I don't know why that was the case. I do hope that uh, the individual gets extradited to the U.S. because I feel like here um, the, the punishment would be more severe and uh, they would set an example. And I, I think that would actually be a, a good thing. Yeah, uh, so that potentially... If, if we were able to clean up the so-called dark web, people could use Tor for the, the more innocent purposes um, that, that you were describing before. Uh, Professor Kurda, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me.